This Washington Post Live podcast is sponsored by Intel, committed to addressing the nation's most critical challenges through corporate responsibility. You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. As companies face the unprecedented impact of the coronavirus pandemic and massive social unrest, redefining corporate purpose is center stage. In this segment, Intel CEO Bob Swan talks about the role CEOs and companies play during a time of chaos and crisis. Let's listen. Good morning. I'm Francis Deed Sellers, a senior writer at The Washington Post. Welcome. We'll start our program this morning with Bob Bob Swan, the CEO of Intel. Greetings, Mr. Swan, and thank you for joining us. Good morning. I'd like to start. Good morning. I'd like to start by asking you about a new innovation you have launched today, I think. Um, This is a partnership with Maricopa County Community Colleges to start an artificial intelligence degree program. Can you tell us why a community college, why now, and how this fits with your broader goals of social responsibility and social justice? Sure, I'd love to. First, I'll start with the the latter aspect of what we're trying to accomplish, our corporate social responsibilities. Um, We've set out some very bold goals in terms of what we plan to accomplish over the course of the next 10 years. And included in that framework is both uh, how do we increase the responsibility we play in preparing the workforce for the skills of the future, number one. And number two, another related goal is the importance of diversity and inclusion in the makeup of our workforce going forward. So what we announced today with Maricopa Community College is really addressing both of those. And one, how do you take skills of artificial intelligence, create a program that will allow us over time to engage with 30 governments around the world, 30,000 institutions, and train 30 million people on artificial intelligence. So Maricopa Community College, the largest community college uh, system in the US, we have an opportunity to develop a curriculum to teach AI skills um, to a broad representation of the workforce. And we think it's a wonderful opportunity to couple two of our key corporate social responsibility priorities uh, by working in conjunction with, with Maricopa. So you've also set out some very clear 2030 goals, including sustainability, renewable energy, conserving water and those sorts of things. Among them um, is a goal to increase the hiring and uh, of minorities in senior positions, doubling them by 2030. Why does it take so long to raise those numbers? 2030 is a full decade out. And as a second part of that question, what will doubling actually mean in terms of the percentage of your workforce who will be uh, in, the, in those higher positions? will be women and minorities? Well, first, um, in, our, in our corporate social responsibility report, we kind of laid out the accomplish, accomplishments we've made for the last decade, but we also set out some, what I'd characterize, some fairly ambitious goals for the next decade. First, in terms of the accomplishments, uh, we set a goal to have full representation of women and underrepresented minorities in the US. We set that goal to accomplish by 2020. We accomplished it two years early in uh, 2018. Secondly, we set a goal to spend a billion dollars with our supply chain on uh, diverse owned enterprises and we we met that goal. So in so many ways, we're proud of what we've accomplished, but in no way are we satisfied. 
So today with women and underrepresented minorities, we have roughly 18% in senior positions. And our goal for the next, next decade is to in fact to in fact double that, which we think is um, an aggressive but doable target. And then our intentions are going forward is every year, we will communicate on an annual basis how well we're doing against those goals. So in so many ways, we're proud of what we've accomplished, but in no way are we satisfied. In addition to that, when we talk about diversity and inclusion, it's not just the makeup of the numbers of the workforce. And again, we need to go from 18% to doubling of roughly 36%. It's not just the makeup of the numbers, but it's the environment that we create, an environment of inclusion that allows those numbers to come and bring their full self to work and contribute to their fullest. So we're working, one of the other goals we set is working with um, other, uh, uh, other companies to develop an inclusion index. Uh, we, we know how to measure uh, the makeup of the diversity of the workforce, but we're gonna work together to, make a, a, to develop a inclusion metric. So how do we set a metric that helps us, Intel, uh, broad-based uh, corporate America to um, create an environment where we can measure inclusion, set bold goals, and then marshal ourselves in the industry towards those goals. You um, wrote a memo to staff in May and, to, and also made a financial pledge to uh, overcome racism. And in the memo, you spoke very movingly about being sidelined was no longer appropriate, that you had to take active steps. Are there moments in your career that you look back on and, and think about missed opportunities that you're trying to right now? Are there specific incidents that you can look back on that have, that have, that have built this philosophy for you now that you now have a, an opportunity to move on? Yeah, I mean, first, um, uh, the, the responsibility in the note that I sent was basically, um, we're a large company with a large platform with 110,000 employees. And with that platform, we also realize comes a, a responsibility. And our responsibility simply was um, call, call an end to racism and, and, and inequalities and social injustices in the environments in which we operate around, around the world. And in, in some ways, um, the extremely unfortunate acts that we see around us, uh, unfortunately, more often we concluded, and I personally concluded, that there's no, it's no longer an option to stand on the sidelines and opine about what's going on and look to others, but companies like Intel and, and CEOs, we know that we have to use these platforms to push forward um, a social agenda that we think is fair and equitable for all. So it's a very important uh, aspect for our company. It's a very important aspect, uh, aspect for me. In terms of the, the first part of your question, you know, along the way, um, I, I'm, I'm in some ways embarrassed and shocked about the, the events that have been going on uh, in the US in terms of their disproportionate impact on, on African-Americans. I, I, uh, I'm embarrassed to say that I thought as a country we had made much more progress than we had. So in some sense, I haven't taken the opportunity in the past because I was um, a, a little bit uh, oblivious to what was really going on. And I think this 
this unfortunate event has given us the opportunity not just to talk about what we're going to do as a company outside of our four walls, but the engagement and the dialogue that we're having with our employees inside of our four walls in terms of understanding better about the environments that um, that some of our associates have been brought up through, and then how do we create an environment inside our company so that the inequities of the past are not part of the future. I would like to read a, read a question that's come in from Pat Cassano in Virginia. And he says, Mr. Swan, in your view, does corporate social responsibility, I think we may have frozen, extend, no, have you got me? In your view, does corporate social responsibility extend to income inequality? If so, what are corporate offices such as yourself who make a hundred or more times the compensation paid to the median employee doing to make CEO officer pay fairer with respect to median employee compensation? I mean, um, it's a wonderful question, Pat, thanks. I, I mean, first I would say um, the first part of the question is yes. And that's why it was very important for us a few years back to establish global pay equity as a commitment for the company and a commitment that we have in fact met that the, the, the inequalities associated with types of jobs um, are, are eliminated over time. So that was a very important aspect for our company. We've met that and we have processes in place to ensure that uh, uh, same like jobs are paid the same compensation. Uh, secondly, in terms of uh, in inequities, um, what we want to be sure in this digital uh, divide and economic inequality is to use our platform again to train people for the skills that we are important uh, for the future. And the classic example for us is the one we announced today with Maricopa Community College, a very large and diverse representation of that workforce to give them tools on future skills so that they will have opportunities to compete for uh, higher, paying, higher paying jobs in the future. So let me talk to you now a little about your, your work with China, um, obviously a big buyer of chips. Um, $72 billion, I believe, of your revenue last year came from trade uh, with China. Two aspects have changed that, COVID and also the trade wars. How has that impacted your company? Well, first, um, uh, last year we had $72 billion of revenue as a company, and then a significant portion Sorry, of portion that, 25%, is, um, is, is from China. So. The, the, the sale of chips uh, ourselves or through our partners to the big, uh, the big global economy or the big economy in, in China. It's a very important part of our business, not just as a market, but in terms of uh, 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 production capabilities and real good uh, technology. A lot of employees that we have in China, it's an important market for us. So in terms of the implications of geopolitical dynamics and global trade, we've been very vocal about um, our belief that global trade is good for the global economy. It needs to be fair um, and tariffs are not an effective mechanism to enable global trade. So first and foremost for us is using our platform to establish what we think is what we think is important for global trade. Well, we, uh, as, a, as a company, 
Intel, we have almost 60% of our production is here in, here in the US. So we, we, we're one of the largest R&D spenders in the world. We have a significant uh, production footprint here in the US, but we sell our products all over the world, including China. And we, in doing so, we make money and it gives us the capacity to reinvest in R&D and into our manufacturing footprint here. So it's being vocal using our platform to talk about the pros and the benefits of, of global trade that's been a very important. And the second aspect to your question, the implications of, of, of COVID, obviously for us, um, we set out three priorities uh, originally right out of the gate on how we're gonna deal with this pandemic. And in the early stages, as you know, it was, it was somewhat isolated in China, best we knew. And with a large workforce there and customers that counted on us, we set three critical priorities out of the gate. One, how are we gonna ensure the safety of our employees around the world? Two, our, you know, we, um, we are 95% of the global digital infrastructure um, and we have a significant market share of PCs. Those essential services were more important than ever for our customers. So our second priority is how do we ensure that our customers get the products that they need at this particular time? And the third priority for us at the time uh, and still today is we're a relatively large employer in the areas in which we operate in. And therefore we need to protect our employees. We need to deliver for our customers, but we also need to give back to the communities in which, in which we operate. So when COVID well, happened, China started there, but it quickly spread around the world and for us, the responsibility we have on those three fronts are front and center in terms of the decisions we're making now. Bob, many thanks for those interesting comments about how you're coping in the face of these um, many, many changes around the world. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.